Hello, hello, and welcome back to Organic Gardening for Beginners. My name is Jessica, your host from the blog Homegrown Food and Flowers, and welcome back to a brand new year, a brand new gardening season. It's 2024. How absolutely crazy is that? We are jumping into this episode number 38 in what to do in your January garden. Even if it's cold and gloomy outside, there are still a couple things that you can start looking forward to rather than maybe actively doing out in the garden. And if you're in a slightly warmer climate, then you've still got a few tasks on your list. So let's jump in. Alrighty, so we're going to start with my friends in the warmer climates. Uh, and this is coming from experience of living in Southern California and a little bit of South Carolina. It wasn't as warm there, but your garden is most likely still growing. And if it's not, you will be able to start that much sooner. So the big thing that I want to put out there for the warmer zones, and by that I mean like 9, 10 and higher zones, is how are you going to transition your garden? Because if you have things growing there currently, chances are, I would assume, that these are plants that you have wintered over from last year, such as I remember last December, January, and even into February, we were picking tomatoes off of leftover plants that had grown all summer, overwintered, and then started fruiting again the following spring once the weather warmed up just a little bit. Um, maybe you have kale plants, other brassicas, chard that you have overwintered, herbs even, um, or maybe even some flowers. So what are you going to do with those plants, basically? Are you going to prune them back so that they continue growing with like a second flush of new growth? Are you going to take them out and put in new fresh plants? Are you going to leave them as they are and start an additional garden space to really let those older plants just kind of do what they want to do? Uh, there's no right or wrong reason here. It's mostly just think ahead. If you ran out of garden space last year and what you still have growing, you want to leave there because it's still being productive, then think about how you're going to build in that new garden space. Are you going to build a new raised bed? Are you going to plant some grow bags or pots next to your existing beds? Maybe develop a new garden plot altogether, you know, in ground. Again, nothing, you know, better than the other, just each one takes a different type of work, whether that's buying pots and potting soil or killing the the weeds and the grass in your new plot with cardboard and compost or tarping it. Um, all of those can take a little bit of time. So it's a good idea to start thinking about it now so that once you have seedlings ready to go, seeds ready to go, your, your growing space is already also ready to go uh, instead of, you know, tapping your foot impatiently and waiting for that space to be ready to be planted. If you are still harvesting stuff, keep harvesting regularly. That's really going to help keep production at a high because eventually most of your plants are going to get tired at some point. The tomatoes that I overwintered, they did great until about April and then they really started to slow down. And I know that tomatoes are actually a perennial like a multi-year perennial in the right climate. And I didn't like refresh the soil or, you know, give it a heavy dose of fertilizer come springtime or anything because I knew I wanted to take advantage of that, those tomato plants for as long as possible. But I had also already planted out new tomato plants to take their place and come on with really vigorous first year growth. So just kind of think about the succession from old to new and how you want that to look. That's the, the biggest piece of advice I have right now for the warmer zones, uh, and because most of us are not in those warmer zones necessarily. And so we're coming at this from 
it's cold outside. It might be snowy. There's not a whole lot growing other than, you know, if you specifically overwintered a fall garden. Uh, and so there's a lot more to think about to get all your pieces into place before your growing season really kicks off. So one big technique that admittedly I am new to because I haven't been in the right climate for a long time is winter sowing. And I'm going whole hog on this this year because I'm in the perfect climate for it now. And if winter sowing is a new concept to you, then what it is, is you are letting good old mama nature do a lot of the planting work for you. So instead of setting up your seed rack with lights and a heat mat and your trays and whatnot, instead you are just going to throw your seeds to the wolves and plant them outside in a somewhat protected environment, but you're not going to give them any additional warmth or light. What this most commonly looks like is people use, they reuse milk jugs, like the sort of, uh, I won't say clear, but you know, just a milk jug or a water jug, uh, a gallon, I should say. And you cut it in half, leaving a couple inches of top and bottom connected to act like a little hinge. So you open it to make it into almost like a little clamshell. And then you fill the bottom part with soil and then you scatter seeds on the top and you cover them if they need to be covered and you leave them uncovered if they need light to germinate. Water them in, close the top of the milk jug or the water jug, duct tape it shut and leave the cap off. So that way water can come in through rain, you know, it can evaporate out and it can kind of regulate its uh, moisture level and it provides a little bit of a greenhouse effect. And then you put that jug outside and you walk away, basically. You do obviously need to keep an eye on it, make sure they don't get too dry, but you're not going to do anything for it. You're not going to heat it, light it, etc. And so the idea is that you are mimicking nature with a tiny bit of help, but the seeds are just going to sit dormant in the soil until the temperatures are right. And once those temperatures are right, then they're going to sprout. And because you're, you've planted them in a jug that's taller, there's plenty of room for them to grow. You've got the little bit of a greenhouse effect for keeping in a little bit of humidity, a little bit of warmth, and it still allows light to get through for once things have germinated. And then once the seedlings have reached the right size of, you know, maybe an inch, maybe two inches, then you either pot them up to keep them growing in your little nursery space, or you put them out in the garden because they are already almost hardened off. The key here is that you can't start winter sowing too soon. You need to plant in your coldest winter period. So when the, if your ground is going to freeze for the season, you want to do it when the ground is already frozen. If you have fluctuations in temperature where maybe it snows and then it melts and it warms up a tiny bit and then it gets cold and then it gets warm and then it snows again, you need to find the most consistently cold period of time, which for some people might be more like February as opposed to some people who are starting right now in January. And the reason for this is you don't want those seeds to get the right temperature and think, great, it's springtime, I'm going to sprout. They sprout and then the freeze comes or the snow and then they die. Same as if you're planting out in the spring, you know, straight out in your garden and those late frosts can come and kill anything that you've transplanted or that has sprouted. It's the same idea. You need to keep the seeds dormant until it's the actual go time for them and there's not a risk of them sprouting and then freezing again. 
I hope that makes sense. I am definitely going to include a couple of resources in the show notes. These are YouTube videos, not mine, um, but ones that I am learning from and I have found very valuable to show you some of the nuance of planting them out. Um, but the big benefit of winter sowing, aside from not needing to really monitor your lights and your heat mats, and it's a bit cheaper because all you're doing is reusing a water or milk jug that you probably already have on hand, uh, is it's a really good technique to use for seeds that can be tricky to start from seed yourself. And I'm thinking about ones like columbine or pansies or some herbs like thyme, even lavender. I've heard of people using winter sowing for lavender. I, again, have yet to try it for myself, but lavender is a real butt to start from seed in my experience. Um, it's really good for what are, you know, kind of called wildflowers or perennials like lupin or hollyhocks or um, butterfly weed is a really good one. I've heard of a lot of people having success with that. Sweet peas work really well. They're pretty cold hardy anyways. You can use this with veggies like kale and cabbage. It sounds to me like you can start most seeds this way. So it's you kind of have your the benefit of choice here. I'm personally going to use it a lot for perennials like echinacea that I personally have a really tough time getting to actually germinate. Um, I don't know why I follow all my seed starting rules, but you know me, I'm not afraid to admit when I have trouble with something. Uh, so I will be starting a bunch of echinacea, also known as coneflower, with winter sowing methods. I typically start my sweet peas on trays um, under lights, not with a heat map, but under lights. And I'm going to do both this year and see if I notice a difference. I don't typically direct sow them just because I enjoy seed starting so much, having more control over germination rates and what ultimately ends up where in the garden. Because with direct sowing, sometimes not everything germinates. And so you're left with empty spaces in the garden and that annoys me. Um, so I tend to stick more with starting indoors. And uh, so I'll have a whole laundry list of what I'm starting with winter sowing this year. I'll definitely be sharing about that as time goes on. Um, we don't actually use water jugs or milk jugs um, because we have we live on a property, so we have a well. We drink our well water and we buy milk from these small dairy down the road that has theirs in glass jars. So I'm not sure yet what I'm going to use for a little greenhouse, what I have heard people doing or seen pictures of is people get clear totes from, you know, your big box store and they turn them upside down, basically, where you put your seeds in a standard seed tray, set them on the lid and then put the clear part of the tote over it, kind of like a greenhouse dome. And so that way you don't, you're not limited to just the jugs. You can still use your trays, but you still get the light and the greenhouse effect. You will need to drill some holes in the tote so that way moisture can go in and out the way it would do through the hole in the milk jug. So all that being said, winter sowing is an awesome thing to start planning for if it will work in your area. I'm personally going to wait until a little bit later in the month because I know that January gets some warmer temperatures here from experience and asking people who live here. And February and March are consistently colder months where those lower temperatures are going to hit and it'll either just stay at that low temperature or potentially, unfortunately, drop a little bit lower. Um, and so we won't get the big swings where a seed might be tempted to germinate only to get hit with colder temperatures a few days or a week later. 
definitely will be keeping you updated on that uh, if you're interested, how it goes along. And if you are looking for an easy way to start some perennials, maybe you're starting a new garden because perennial plants can be a little bit expensive to buy individually at the nurseries, uh, then this can be a great way to get a whole bunch of plantings for very little effort um, as opposed to starting them, you know, more traditionally indoors under lights and on a heat mat. So speaking of starting seeds, this is a prime month to start your seed catalog shopping. This is like the golden month um, where all of the new 2024 varieties are being promoted, you know, the new either hybrids or ones that have been brought back like old heritage varieties that had too small of seed sizes or uh, seed quantities. There we go for catalogs to offer them. And now they've built up their stock. So it's a really fun time to just explore. And obviously you don't have to shop only from the new seeds selection. All your tried and trues are amazing. Um, And I, I usually try one or two, you know, a very select few of the new varieties because sometimes they don't end up sticking around because either they aren't growing true to what the breeders expected, or they just don't perform as well for whatever reason. So mixing these newer varieties with a larger amount of the tried and trues is a great way to kind of map out your year and what you're going to be growing. Because it's always fun to experiment with new things. But if you've had great success with, you know, a certain type of kale, certain type of basil or whatever, it's awesome to keep going with that because you know it's going to work for you, both in, you know, your climate, your disease um, tendencies, the taste of it. The how it grows. So don't throw everything out that you've tried before and do all new things because that can increase your chances of having a few more failures than you would like. So stick with some of what you know, sprinkle in a few new things, and that's an awesome way to mix it up from year to year. If you are finding that some seed catalogs are showing sold out when you go to order, it could be that some of those varieties are indeed sold out. Um, A lot of the commercial farmers or even just small farmers order their seeds back in October, November timeframe of last year. Well, technically this year, it's New Year's Eve right now of 2023 is what I'm getting at. And sometimes they're just back ordered and they're not going to be available until a little bit later this month or potentially next month. And some catalogs will tell you exactly that, you know, back ordered until such and such date. And others will just show it as out of stock. So if there's something you're super gung-ho for, then you can always reach out to the catalog uh, or to the seed company, uh, or you can just, you know, keep an eye on it or swap it in with something else that is equally interesting and available. While you're doing your seed shopping, there are a few things to keep in mind as far as your planning, because it is so, so easy to overorder on your seeds. And granted, there are worse things you could do. It's never, I won't say never, it's often not a bad thing to have extra seeds because maybe you want to share, maybe you have a crop failure and you need to replant. Maybe you try one of 10 different tomatoes and you find that one that performs really well. Um, But, you know, it can also blow your budget a little bit because it's just so easy, so easy to throw a seed packet in your cart, whether you're physically at the store or you're you're doing your shopping online. And next thing you know, you have a $200 cart of flower seeds only, nothing that's actually edible. This is very much a personal experience. Um, So as I had just mentioned, you know, think of what your favorites are. What do you want to repeat? What are some new things that you want to try? Maybe you tried chard 
and you never actually ate it because you just don't like the taste. And so instead, you want to try spinach because you still want a green, but you want something slightly different. Um, or if you like greens and chard doesn't do it for you, then there are a ton of Asian greens that are delicious. I love them. We grow them every year, uh, but that are far less known and really never seen in the big box stores. I don't mean to always throw big box stores under the bus, but you know, even if you live in a dinky town, chances are you have access to a Lowe's or a Home Depot or you know another store that I'm not familiar with. Maybe it's regional, um, as opposed to a small specialty nursery or you can buy starts online, but they tend to be a little bit more spendy, especially once you add in shipping. So that's why I always mention big box stores. Um, they tend to be relatively everywhere, um, but they don't always have the best selection. They're better than nothing for sure, but they don't always have the best selection. So anyways, back to your planning. Think about your repeats. Think about what you want to try that's new. As I also mentioned, what kind of space are you working with? And this obviously applies both for my warm season growers I was talking to earlier, as well as people like me who are, you know, kind of starting the garden fresh again in the springtime. Um, what space do you have? And do you want to try to make more space? Or maybe you want to use less space. Maybe you planted way too much last year, you got totally overwhelmed, you couldn't keep up with the maintenance or even the use of it. And you had fruit, fruit as in like tomatoes and cucumbers and stuff, produce that was ripe and, you know, perfect maturity, and you just didn't get to it for a few days, and then your cucumber turned bitter, or your tomatoes split in a summer rainstorm, or rodents got to it because you weren't harvesting. If if you're okay with that, you know, plant the same size. But if you felt it overwhelming, like keeping up with the work, or man, I grew all this produce and I'm not actually using it and then that is stressing you out, then trim back your garden size. Don't feel like you have to add on more. That can be a huge mistake that gets you to that point where you say gardening is too much work. I'm not going to do it anymore or I'm going to skip this season, skip next season. Next thing you know, it's been three years before you've had a garden. So if you know you've got either a busy schedule, a new baby coming, you're moving to a new location and you're getting used to a new climate, don't listen to me when I'm saying you know, do you want more space? Do you want new varieties? Really think ahead to what you can actually maintain and start small. You can always add a few new pots once the season has started or get a hanging basket, you know, for some flowers that you didn't plant because you want it to be on the conservative side. You know your context, you know what amount of work you want to have. So don't listen to me on that, you know, plan for more. Do what you know you can do. Sorry, that was a little long-winded, but I don't want to give the impression that I'm always pushing for plant more, get more space, expand your garden, because that's not always the answer. Um, and of the space that you do have, whatever you're planning on using, do you need to do any prep work for it? Do you want to try cover crops? Maybe you've been gardening for a few years and you're trying some new techniques. And so maybe you're going to try some cover crops this spring or maybe you were growing in containers and now you're transitioning to a raised bed. Just all these little things to think about where you might not be taking action on it right now, especially if there's a bunch of snow outside, but you can start doing price shopping. You can start building your materials list. You can imagine where you want it to go out in your yard. Um, and like I just mentioned, you can think about what you want to take away to make the gardening season a bit more manageable. So January is all about the dreaming for me. 
It's the what seeds do I want? What do I want my garden space to look like? What do I want my seed sowing schedule to look like? And just doing kind of that foundational work for the garden to come. All right. And then the last thing I want to mention for this month, actually, there's two things. This is the last big one, though. Take advantage of observation at this point in the year. What sort of effects is the weather having on your space? For me, as I've mentioned, we get a ton of rain here in Oregon, and this is a new property. We moved here in June, as you've heard me say many, many times, Um, and I did not anticipate how much water our property would hold in our clay soil. So this is something that I'm using to inform where I'm going to be planting this coming season. We put in a bunch of raised beds when we got here, and I'm really glad we put in the raised beds because it helps with the drainage issue. But I can clearly see there's a little depression next to where we put our raised beds that holds water like crazy, even more than the rest of the property. And so I will not be expanding the garden out into that direction. Instead, I'm going to go the other way, even though it's not the way I want it to go. You can also look at things like where are your cold winter winds coming in from? If you get a frost on your property, where is the frost hanging out the longest before it melts away for the day as the sun comes up? Do you notice a lot of bird activity? What are they going to? Are they hanging out on some of the plants that you left behind from last season? Is there a tree they really like? Do you maybe want to plan to put some of your more insect-prone plants closer to those trees to kind of entice the birds down to come and eat the caterpillars or other bad bugs that you're trying to get rid of without pesticides, all these types of things. And granted, the birds isn't really weather related, but garden observation is what came to me. Um, Using this time as a way to plan ahead to make next year easier, it can make, well, like I just said, it can make it easier. If things are cold now, you know, with the the frost staying in certain areas of the yard, chances are those are going to be the slower ones to warm up in the spring. So maybe don't plan to put your zinnias and sunflowers there if you're direct sowing and instead put your kale seedlings there or your lettuce seedlings because they'll be able to tolerate the colder mornings better than something like a sunflower or zinnia or cosmos or, you know, any of your warm weather flowers or veggies for that matter. So use your time, take notes. You're not going to remember everything in a couple of months. We never do. We say we will, but we don't. Um, So take notes, you know, on a scrap of paper in your empty notebook online on your, or uh, not online, on your phone, wherever you, you know, is most convenient, you won't lose it. And then the last thing I wanted to mention that I almost forgot was, this is also something new to me. Native plant sales are starting to open up early, early in the spring. I just got an email from the local um, agricultural extension office announcing that a lot of the local native plant sales are now open for pre-orders and then you can pick up your plants February, March timeframe, depending on what county you're in. And the benefits of native plants is that many of them attract native insects, native pollinators. They support bird life really well, either because they produce berries or they host insects that the birds can then eat. Um, They provide habitat for nest making or nest materials, you know, that they then build their nest elsewhere. Um, And native plants are typically less flashy than something like a sunflower or cosmos or zinnia. And they are typically not vegetable crops like kale or tomatoes. 
Some of them are edible. Like I got some currants and raspberries from this native plant sale, and they're not your typical, you know, uh, nursery raspberry. I think it was called a black cap raspberry or black thimble or something like that. So they are likely going to be less productive, but they're still a good habitat and host plant for a lot of the wildlife in my area. So I picked one up anyways. And I'm certain this is going to vary from state to state and county to county, but it's super affordable. Almost all the plants that I got were either three or four dollars. I think the most expensive was an eight dollar one gallon shrub. Um, So obviously you're paying for a slightly bigger plant, but it's a very, very affordable way to get started with native plants as opposed to going to the nursery and buying a slightly bigger plant that is, you know, 10, 20, 30 dollars or more. especially if you're okay with the time it's going to take for the plant to catch up. Most of these are coming in four inch pots, which I'm okay with. I can take care of them and give them a few seasons to get going, you know, as I kind of figure out where they're going to grow best anyways. Um, And so it's a great way to get plants that are adapted to your region, adapted to your, I shouldn't even say adapted because they're native, that do well in your region that are very useful to your local wildlife and insect population They are typically very low maintenance, and they are also typically perennials. So you don't need to plant them year after year. They're going to stick around. Even if you live in a hotter zone that might kill some plants, or you live in a colder zone that might kill some plants because they're natives, they're used to it. So, and the reason I said it's new to me is because I've never actually taken advantage of one of these before. Um, So I've had native plants in other areas we've lived in. It's never been a huge focus because I try to grow more food um, as my focus, as opposed to, I just want a native plant garden. But I think there is definitely benefit to incorporating everything together and getting the benefit from each different type, whether it's a cut flower, a native plant, a vegetable, herbs, you know, whatever it is, I just want it all in the garden and it can all be one big happy plant family. So keep your eye out for those. If you don't know where to look, I would just do a simple Google search of native plant sale near me or, you know, whatever your town is or your state, your county, that might be actually a even better one of, you know, blank county native plant sale and see what pops up. Chances are you're going to find something. And if you don't, then maybe this is a nice way to try winter sowing because I bet you could find the seeds more easily than you might be able to find a plant sale. Um, And so you can give that a shot because if it's a native plant and it's used to your climate, I don't see why it wouldn't enjoy winter sowing and come up very easily for you. That's a nice way to loop this episode all the way back to the beginning. All right, my friends, that is it for today. Wrapping it up. I wish you a very, very wonderful new year, a very awesome January in the garden. And I will be back next week. Bye. Bye.